everyone is howling about Paws of Fury. It's the most fun comedy of the summer. Hank, I am your father. What? Nah, I'm not. <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson is hilarious. What the motherfucking spaniel's going on here? Paws of Fury, only in theaters this Friday. Rated PG. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Our toll-free number is one 877 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 877 on MSN Messenger, you can always chat with us here in our studios by simply going to, you ready for this? Talkstarradio at hotmail.com and our two websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. Now, my guest uh, who was supposed to be with me right now uh, was is uh, Ralph Ellis. Unfortunately, we're having problems uh, getting a clear line over to the United Kingdom. We'll keep on trying, and as soon as we are able to get Ralph on the phone, we will bring him on. Um, as, as we've been talking about, this is the Valentine's Day week. We have Valentine's coming up very shortly. So don't forget, guys, buy the card. Make sure you've got one from the, for the lady in your life, your mom, and any sweet children that you have that you'd like to really show them that dad really cares. And the same goes for you, mom. Don't forget dad. Now, we, we talk about dreams here on the X-Zone, uh, and we've, we've taken an in-depth look at, at dreams. But one of the questions that, that comes up very often is, what do dreams mean, and what do we dream about? Well, the most common uh, sex dream involves uh, sex followed by flirting, kissing, fantasies. Four uh, percent of sex dreams among men and women uh, result in the waking hours, and it seems that 47 percent of all dreams that we have are sexual. Hmm. And then we've also checked into the uh, best part-time job you've ever had. And according to CareerBuilder.com, here are some of the great ones. 
pharmacy technician with an average salary of $12.32 an hour, a tax preparer, and all the people who prepare your taxes, are you ready for this? Their average salary is $32.21 an hour. A dental assistant has an average salary of $14.53 an hour. Personal care and personal home aid, they have an average salary of $8.45 an hour. A receptionist, their average salary is $11.01 a minute, an hour. And um, a clerical library assistant, they earn an average of $10.40 an hour. I just got word from... Uh, our good friend, uh, Superman at Master Control, that we have uh, Ralph Ellis on the phone, but we're not going to be bringing him on until after the first break. So, see, this is why I call this guy the Superman, because he can make things happen where many people can't. Top five gifts uh, not to get your Valentine. Uh, number one, something contagious. Number two, a dozen dried roses from last year. Yeah, I tried that once. It didn't work. Uh, a heart-shaped candy... Uh, no, a, sh- a heart-shaped oil change kit, candy canes, and a red bathroom scale. Uh, wouldn't work here either. Uh, can your eyes get any bigger? Uh, let me see. Uh, no, that I don't understand what that's all about, guys. You'll have to give me some other information here. Ralph Ellis is going to be with us. That is for sure on the other side of this break. We're going to be talking about the history that they don't want you to know and how scientific community, archaeologists, and theology have been feeding you misinformation. We're also going to be talking to Ralph about his new book that is coming out, and it promises to be another great one. one 528 is toll-free. My name is Rob McConnell, and when we return from this two-minute break, Ralph Ellis will be joining us. And like I said, we're going to be talking about history, the history that people don't want you to know about. I've said this many, many times, that history is one of the biggest lies that our children are being taught. History was written by the conqueror, and 95% of the time, it's wrong. For example, Christopher Columbus, he did not discover America. We'll be back on... Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Hi, this is Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout, here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I would like to invite all of our listeners to the second annual ParaUnity Conference, January 27th through the 29th in Felsmere, Florida. We have some exciting speakers, including Brian Kano from The Haunted Collector, author Andrea Perrin, whose book inspired the hit movie The Conjuring, and our own Rob McConnell. 
There are events for the public as well as opportunities for paranormal teams to come together to share information. We also have opportunities for our guests to participate in some investigations of Felsmere's most haunted locations. Check out my website at www.paranormalstakeout.com or www.paranormalfbi.com for times and details. Hope to see you there. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil. Welcome back, everyone. Ralph Ellis is our special guest uh, this hour. And Ralph was trained as a mineral uh, in mineral surveying and computer science, but after several years in the industry, he decided to retrain as a pilot. Ralph is now working as an airline captain serving international flights out of Britain. However, history and religion have always been Ralph's primary passion, and the many and varied short stays across the world were always put to good use in research and writing. Ralph has always had a distinctly lateral, open-minded view on history and religion, which has allowed his research to proceed unhindered by historical preconceptions and doctrinal dogma. A central tenet of his research and writing has been to assume that the authorities, but but the historical or religious, have always been economically and treated the truth as an economic uh, factor a premise that assumes that there are still historical secrets to be unearthed. However, upon startling this, upon starting this literary crusade, it never occurred to Ralph that uh, there would be so many secrets and that the truths of man's ancient past would be so radically different on what we are normally taught. And Ralph Ellis, welcome back to the Excellent. Great having you with us, Ralph. How have you been? Very well, thanks, Rob. Thanks very much for having me back. It's great, Ralph. Oh, I'm, I'm just going over the uh, the notes that we have here. Uh, some of the topics that you and I have talked about in the past are um, the Israelite exodus uh, from Egypt. We've talked about the biblical Jacob, who was actually a pharaoh. Uh, we've talked about Mount Sinai was the Great Pyramid, which makes a lot of sense. We talked about most of the Bible comes from old Egyptian texts. We talked about Adam and Eve, where Pharaoh Akhenaten and Nefertiti. Um, are you still shocking the world with your with your books and discoveries? The list goes on and on, doesn't it? <laughs> My goodness, you know it's 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 so refreshing to talk to someone who's not afraid to to let the truth out. History is not quite as as we know it, is it? No, um, no it's... yes, unfortunately, the the um, historical truth. Still seems to be um, that there still seems to be mysteries still to be solved. Um, I've, I've probably got another two books in me. Um, I've got one that's coming out this April, March mm-hmm. or April, depending on when I get it finished. 
Um, and that's going to be an interesting one. This, this is quite an epic, this one. I've got to 600 pages on this one. So it's, wow. It's, it's twice as thick as any of my other books, so I hope I haven't overdone it. But anyway, this one is uh, uh, King Jesus, um, and the subtitle is From uh, Camelot to Camelot. Um, so this is going to be an interesting title, because Camelot was Egypt, of course. This is where I believe that the uh, Hyksos Israelites came from. This is where I believe that uh, Jesus' heritage came from as well. So from Camelot to Camelot. So, uh, yes, so we go all the way from Egypt to England and to the court of King Arthur. Now, what is um, the connection between Jesus and the court of King Arthur? Uh, well, because I think Jesus was King Arthur. Ah. Now, this is an interesting one, because I, uh, everyone has their own preconception of, of who King Arthur is, mm -hmm. or was, should I say. Uh, but, of course, the, the texts are very nebulous. They don't actually say what we understand King Arthur to be. Um, we all think of him, uh, well, traditionally, we used to think of him as, as, as sort of a twelfth, um, 13th century um, monarch, uh, but of course that's wrong. Um, and, and nowadays everyone thinks of him as being a Dark Ages monarch, so we're talking about the 6th century AD or something like that. But the texts themselves are confused. They're very confused, in fact. Uh, there are many references to the 6th century AD, but there are also quite a number of references to the 1st century AD. So the texts don't quite actually know where to put King Arthur. You know, was he supposed to be Dark Ages, or was he supposed to be First Century? Um, and I get the impression, having looked through all of the original Grail uh, texts, this is from the Vulgate Cycle, which is an enormous great um, uh, compendium of, of uh, Arthur stories. Um, it just struck me that the, the original story was most probably a First Century story. And it's been slipped back into the 6th century uh, in order to divorce it from its original roots, because it's, a, it, its original roots are quite heretical, basically. Really? Um, yes, because if you understand that this guy, this, this guy, King Arthur, was actually King Jesus, um, uh, quite a lot of the story actually changes. So it, it's been quite a... Um, a roller coaster ride, actually. I didn't set off with this intention. Uh, mm -hmm. This, this book has just um, sort of grown exponentially when it shouldn't have done. Uh, I, I set off looking for the, um, the origins of Thor, um, who we know as Paul normally, um, trying to prove who he was in the historical record, because uh, all of these guys are missing, of course, from the historical record. All of these famous people in, in, in the Bible all, all seem to be missing. How, how can that happen? Yes, it's funny, isn't it? Every, you know, every single one. Um, Doesn't and Paul was another of these missing people, and, and yet he is pivotal, of course, to Christianity because he is the guy who created Christianity. Um, as probably everyone knows, uh, Christianity doesn't have anything really to do with Jesus at all. Uh, it was the creation of Saul or St. Paul. It was his church um, that was the victor in the battles as it were. There were two sort of rival churches. There was the Church of Jesus and the Church of Saul. Mm -hmm. And it was the Church of Saul that won. And, and that's the, the church that we know as Christianity. The Christianity is, is not really the Church of Jesus at all. How is it that these people 
cannot exist in historical records. Does well, this, does this mean this, that... This is um, a great problem. I mean, these people were... I mean, the inference is given quite often when, when, you know, when we go to RE lectures, you know, as children and, and whatever, mm-hmm. that all of this was, was done by nobodies, by carpenters, by, by just, you know, simple people. But, of course, it's, that, that's just obviously not true. You only have to, you know, glance through the books to realize that these people were influential. The people they were all always talking to were the governors and the kings and all the rest of it. These were influential people, and therefore they should have left their mark in the historical record. And then the question is, of course, why did not they actually leave their mark in the historical record? Well, it's always been my premise that they did, that they are there. You just have to understand where they are and who they are. So you have to one ask. Or two name changes going on. Did they use um, pen names uh, because they didn't want their true identity to be known? Yes. I, I'm not sure that they did themselves, although definitely Saul did, because, mm-hmm. I mean, Saul changed his name to St. Paul, so we know there was a lot of name changing going on. Um, but I think a lot of the name-changing happened afterwards, that certain people found it convenient to use pen names instead of real names. And another thing that they tended to do was use the same name in a different language. Uh, and that's a, a very good way of covering things up. So you'll find that one, one uh, scribe was using the Greek um, version of the name, and another scribe was using the uh, Aramaic. And then you don't know that that these are actually the same person because it appears like they've got a different name, but it's not the same name. Every, um, t- every time you and I finish a conversation here on the Exxon, I have more questions. <laughs> like, you, you just open up question after question after question. And, you know, that's what I love about you and your books. They make you think. Yes. Yeah. Well, well I, I do so hope that that is true because that's, that's the whole goal, isn't it? We need, we need to open our eyes yeah. to be able to see through uh, the propaganda that we've been given, basically. And uh, a lot of it, I believe, is propaganda because some of it is, is becoming so obvious to me now as a scholar of, of theology, I can almost say, because I've been studying this for so long, mm-hmm. that anyone who is like me, who has been deeply imbibed in theology, should have seen what I've seen. So all of these uh, biblical scholars that are are sort of knocking around the world should have seen the same information. So why are they not seeing the same results as me? So there is a bit of a conspiracy here that people are turning a blind eye because what they're finding conflicts with their position because obviously most theologians are actually uh, people of the church. So they're finding information that they don't really want to find, and I think they just sort of... um, gently shuffling on and, and not telling us about it because it's, it's deeply troubling to them. But it, isn't that contrary to what they want us to do? They want us to act? Don't they want us to be honest? Well, yes, but, you know, if, if you've been brought up and your, your whole um, position in society is dependent on the belief in this person, you know, being a carpenter in a garden, all this sort of business, and then you do your research and you find that that is actually not actually true, well, you know, what do you do about it? You know, because if, if you actually go public with what you found, you'll probably lose your job, you lose your position, you lose your life. Um, it, that, that's deeply troubling for some people. 
um, apart from the theological mm-hmm. um, difficulty, you know, if you deeply believe this, suddenly you find it's not true. That is 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 another problem. And it, but it seems quite obvious to me. I mean, one of the, uh, one of the big revelations I've had recently is is reading the Talmud. Now, the Talmud is an awful book to go through. Uh, the Talmud is the jottings of of the um, Jewish um, priesthood, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they went through the Old Testament looking for uh, future predictions uh, and uh, laws of the land, or, or like like current law, um, the law of the land came from uh, biblical precedent. So they were looking back through the Old Testament for biblical precedent. Ralph, we have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Ralph Ellis is our very special guest. His website, Exo Nation, great books. These books make you think. www.edfu-books.com. That's www.edfu-books.com. Books to make you think. They'll open up your mind and you'll read and you'll say, you've got to be kidding. Why haven't we been told this before? Ralph Ellis is telling you now. And once again, www.edfu-books.com. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. We all desire health, happiness, and fulfillment, but often get in our own way. Repeated patterns that leave us out of control can keep us feeling powerless, frustrated, and unable to move forward in spite of our best efforts. Unconscious patterning disconnects us from our gifts, often destroying the very thing we seek. But there is an answer. We can take charge of our destiny and heal the trauma of our history. Shamanism is an effective ancient modality that can reconnect us with our true selves, empower the creation of our dreams, and return us to health and balance. Cody Alexander is a certified shamanic practitioner and teacher with 11 years experience. Email healingpathways33 at gmail.com or visit codyalexander.net to schedule a long-distance shamanic session today.
Ralph Ellis is our very special guest this hour, XO Nation. His website is www.edfu-books.com. Ralph, don't the scientists, don't the archaeologists, don't the the philosophers and the theologians believe that we can actually handle the truth and that we deserve to know the truth? Well, perhaps, I don't know. Uh, but the trouble is, if, if we get the entire truth, it rather undermines uh, the the whole establishment of the church. The church is based on a, you know, a framework, an establishment mm-hmm. that they've made, uh, which says certain truths. And, and if you take those truths away, it rather undermines the whole edifice, doesn't it? You know, and, and uh, I suppose they're all afraid that the, the whole edifice will fall down if, if uh, you undermine those truths. Well, maybe that's what the great apocalypse is, is not the fall or the destruction of the world. Maybe it's the... It's the destruction of the church. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you might well be right on that. I don't know. Um, just before the break, we were talking about the Jewish Talmud. Yes, and, we were. You know, the, the, the Talmud is a huge, great companion of books. Um and it quite clearly says that Jesus was high priest of Jerusalem. Um, and, and so does actually Hebrews from, from the back of the Bible also says that Jesus was the high priest of Jerusalem. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, that... quite, a, that's quite a change from our normal perception. Yes. Uh, that, you know, obviously the high priest was the most important uh, person within society. Um, it also says that he was a Nazarene, not that he came from Nazareth. He was a Nazarene, which was a, a, a particular sect. Um, and it, it's also quite clear from the Talmud that he was connected, um, uh, family, he, his family connect, were connected to very wealthy people like uh, Simon Bothus, who were, you know, the richest people in, Jer- in, in Jerusalem and Judea. Um, and this is where we come down to this different story because, of course, uh, you know, the, the titles that we give this, this chap, you know, he was called Christ and he was called Messiah. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we put special connotations onto those titles. But those titles actually only mean king. That's, that's what they basically mean. That when we say Jesus Christ, what we're actually saying is King Jesus. And that's why I've chosen the title that I have for my book. So here we have a monarch. We, 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 you know, we don't have a pauper and a carpenter. We have a monarch, King Jesus. Um, and this is where the story changes because, you know, monarchs getting involved in power play. Their position, and this particular monarch got into a, a bit of an argument with the um, with the Roman forces who were in Judea at the time, of course. And and it, it sort of uh, transpires that the whole of this argument, the whole of the New Testament argument that was going on, um, was over taxes. This is why we get this, this reference, you know, render unto Caesar, you know, mm-hmm. what is Caesar's and all this sort of business, uh, and why Jesus was always uh, uh, he was always. Uh, lambasted for mixing with tax collectors and sinners um, because this was a, a huge great tax argument and it, it resulted in the Jewish revolt and uh, this is where my story parts company with, with traditional um, uh, Christianity completely because now, yeah. now Ralph I was just going to ask you um, in your in your quest for the truth, have you found any reference to Jesus in history or yes. in the record of being king? Yes, but it depends on who you, you think he is. Now, I think he was actually Jesus of Gamala, because, of course, in these books, in these, this history of the first century, there are quite a number of Jesuses running around. Mm-hmm. 
and some of them seem remarkably similar to the Jesus we know. Uh, the one that I concentrate on is Jesus of Gamala, um, who was known as a... Um, he, he was a leader of, of a band of rebel fishermen. Now, now who in that era could be a, a leader of a band of rebel fishermen? And what well, would a band of rebel fishermen do? Yes, precisely. Why do we have a band of rebel uh, mariners who go around, you know, and, and they were well-armed. They had 600 um, um, rebels. Uh, under his command. Wouldn't they be called pirates? <laughs> well, there's not many seas around there. I mean, we're talking about around Galilee, so we've, we're only talking about 600 on the Sea of Galilee here. Yeah. Um, so it's quite obvious to me that uh, th this was the biblical be Jesus. And this reference to fishermen, of course, has got nothing to do with fishing. It's all about the zodiac. There's a big thing out there, of course, within these old religions, within the Nazarene religion, uh, within traditional Judaism, in fact, was the zodiac. It was all done about astrology. Uh, so if you look around the early synagogues, and they had a bit of a, it's another of these conundrums. They always, they always pick these things, don't they? They were doing all this archaeology in, in Syria and, and Israel, and they uncovered six synagogues uh, from a very early era, and they all had a zodiac on the floor. So we know that the zodiac was, was a key part of early Judaism. Uh, and so this reference to fishermen is, is all about the zodiac. It's about Pisces, because, of course, Pisces was the ruling constellation. It just came to the fore that we had the turn of the great year in about AD 10, mm -hmm. just when Jesus was born. So he was the first monarch of the new era of Pisces, and that's why he was known as the fisherman. In fact, actually, that's why he was known as, as the Lamb of God. So he was known as Ares, who then became the fisherman, the fisher of men. So he, he, he was born in Aries, uh, but he grew up under the star sign of Pisces. Uh, just for those, uh, you know, uh, those listeners who don't um, know about procession, procession changes the constellation about every 2,200 years or so. so. And this is known as the great year. So every 2,200 years, the actual star sign changes. And... Uh, about the turn of the first century, it changed from Aries into Pisces. This is why all of the Old Testament patriarchs were known as shepherds, and Jesus was known as, as the fisher of men, because the star sign had changed into Pisces. And this is why in the Grail stories, of course, coming back to the King Arthur business that we're coming on to in the new book, this is why we have the legend of the Fisher King. The Fisher King was the king of Pisces again. It's, it's the same story. And, and, of course, Jesus was, was the you know, fisher of men, mm -hmm. and that's why he was known as the Fisher King. The Fisher King is another allusion to King Arthur, by the way. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's all astrological, um, and, and if we understand it in that fashion and not in the, the traditional terms, it, it all starts to begin to make sense. Yes, why do we have a line of Fisher Kings? Well, because it's the sign of Pisces. That's what it's all about. So Jesus was, in fact, a king. He was king. He was king. So Jesus. he wasn't. That's what a, so where, where does the where does the poor carpenter come into play? Well, the, the, the carpenter business. Well, the, there are several possibilities here. I mean, carpenter was was an old uh, Egyptian pharaonic title. So uh, within uh, Egypt, a lot of the pharaohs were called Setapenra, which means God's carpenter. Yes. Yeah? So I think there's a bit of a. Um, uh, uh, 
uh, a bit of a play on the words with that old pharaonic title. But also, it doesn't say within the New Testament that Jesus was a carpenter. Again, this is another convenient mistranslation. Uh, what it says is that he was a tecton. And tecton actually means architect. You can still hear the basis of the word within the English. Uh, and, and the reason he was an architect was not because necessarily he was actually designing buildings, which he might have done actually as well, but uh, the reason he was called an architect was because he was a mason. Uh, he belonged to the masons. This is why we have the reference to an architect. Um, and if you look through the uh, New Testament and you read the raising of, of Lazarus, if you, if you know that from the Bible, yes, the raising of Lazarus is a third-degree initiation. It's exactly the same. Um, and, and so it's quite obvious that he was in a Masonic-type uh, sect, which was called the Nazarene sect. So, and, and that's why, of course, the, you know, the god of the Masons is, is known as the architect of the universe. And this is why he was known as the architect, because he was supposed to be the son of God, as it were. So, um, yeah, he was a Mason. And, and, and it makes perfect sense, you know. So we don't end up with a carpenter um, in, in his workshop. We end up with an architect, as in a speculative architect. We end up as a, uh, a Mason who was actually a royal mason, so he was both king and he was grandmaster as well. So, so tell me, Ralph, based on your research, did Christ really die on the cross? No, uh, and, and there are several, actually, accounts of uh, his crucifixion. Now, this is where it gets interesting, yeah. because if... If you, uh, if you understand that Jesus was actually Jesus of Gamala, who was a, a very wealthy, influential person in that era, um, a prince, if not a king himself, mm -hmm. then we come across this, this reference to the crucifixion. And it's very, very similar, in fact, to what we understand from the biblical crucifixion. Um, except that the person who comes riding to the rescue was not Joseph of Arimathea, it was Josephus. So it's almost the same person who comes to the rescue, except he wasn't known as Joseph of Arimathea. He was Josephus, and Josephus was the first century historian who was the central player in the whole of this, um, uh, the whole of this drama. Um, and so, yes, he was crucified by the sounds of it, but as Josephus says, there were three people on the cross, on the crosses, um, and he pleaded with the governor for these people to be taken down from the cross. Sound similar? Yes. And uh, two of them died, and one survived. Now, he doesn't actually say who these particular people were, but the circumstances and the location and the date and everything just, just fits like a glove. That this has to be Jesus of Gamala. Um, and that would explain why, how, why he was seen by his disciples for 40 days after. He was taken down early, and he was uh, given medical attention. That's, that's what he said. Um, and that's actually what it says in the Talmud as well. So, you know, all of these scholars, of the, the Jewish scholars who have been pouring through the, the Talmud should know this as well, because that's what it says in the Talmud. And that's why in the Talmud it says that Jesus uh, was, was blind in one eye, had a dislocated shoulder, and was lame and couldn't walk. Well, of course, because he'd just been taken down from the cross. That's why. Um, and and so yes, there w there was 
a crucifixion, but he, he was actually nursed back to life. Uh, and then we, we, we start going into the um, Grail legends, because what do you do with this rebel? So here we have, and, and this was all part of the Jewish rebellion, so this is why he was actually crucified. He was the leader of the Jewish rebels. So as a leader, well, you, you, you take the, um, the justice of the victors. The victors were the Romans, and so he was crucified. But what do you do with this rebel? Um, after the crucifixion, well, obviously the, the easiest thing would be to actually dispose of him. Mm-hmm. He's a dangerous rebel. Let's dispose of him. That's, that's the way things would normally work in this sort of era. Uh, but things were rather more complicated than that, because one of Jesus' great sponsors, who was, uh, I believe, Berenice, who was the uh, sister wife of uh, Agrippa II, so the king, King Agrippa II of Judea, um, was one of the great supporters of the of the Nazarene of of the Church of Jesus. And as it happens, she became the lover of the brother of the emperor of Rome, Vespasian. So now the politics got rather uh, difficult, and I've got no doubt that Berenice put an awful lot of pressure on on the emperor of Rome, Vespasian, in order to have some sort of clemency. So here is a call for clemency for this political rebel who was called King Jesus, Jesus Christ, because that's what the word means. Um, What do you do with him if you can't actually kill him because of this political pressure? Well, the answer is you send him into exile, into prison, as far away from Judea as you possibly can. So where in the Roman Empire is as far away from Judea as you can possibly get? England. England. And that's where he went. Um, Because uh, in this new scenario, all of these events don't take place in in AD 30. So we've got another... mm, We've got another hurdle to overcome here. Uh, the Bible, as we know, seems to indicate that all of these events happened in AD 30. But it's quite clear if you read the history of this era that the event that it's talking about in AD 30 was actually the, the death of John the Baptist. It wasn't the death of Jesus. All of these events happened actually in AD 60. So we're talking about one generation further on. Oh, so wait a sec. I'm starting to see something here. Weren't there 12 nights of the round table? Well, of course. Where did the Twelve Knights of the Round Table come from? It it was King Arthur and the Twelve Disciples of the Round Table. Exactly. Ralph, please stand by, sir. You and I have to take a commercial break. Interesting man, Mr. Ralph Ellis is, and uh, we're always so happy when he's able to join us. His website, www.edfu-books.com. My name's Rob McConnell, Ralph Ellis, and I will return on the other side of this break as we continue live and around the world right here on the Talk Star Radio Network. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking all our guests tonight, Tanya Gabrielle, Tim Ward, and, of course, our very special guest this hour, Ralph Ellis. On tomorrow night's show, uh, we have Amethyst joining us. We have uh, Dr. Rand joining us, Richard P. Jackson, and Monique Chapman. That's tomorrow night here on the Exxon. First of all, Ralph, thank you very much for getting up at this uh, very early hour in the United Kingdom. My and it, it's always great having you with us because, as I said, you always make me think when you're on. <laughs> and I have to ask you this. All right. If, if Jesus was King Arthur, the 12 Knights of the Round Table, the Apostles, who was Mary Magdalene? She was his uh, queen. So she was Queen Mary Magdalene. Now, if my memory serves me correct, the the insignia of the Knights of the Round Table was a circle divided by 12 with a griffin clutching a cross. Uh, yes, and uh, the, the, the Round Table itself comes uh, straight from the Last Supper Table. Um, so if we, if we go again into the Vulgate Cycle yeah. and read the history of the table, um, the table was supposed to be a reconstruction of the Last Supper Table. So we have a direct allusion here to the Knights of the Round Table being the disciples of the Last Supper Table. Um, and, and, and so, you know, there is supposed to be a direct descent from one to the other. And so they are related. They are linked. This is all to do with, with the Jesus story. Um, uh, and all I'm saying is, yes, it is to do with the Jesus story. Yeah, it's Jesus himself. You know, and that's that's why this guy was supposed to be so special. Uh, this is why you know such a mythology arose about this guy. Then would 
the would Merlin then be God? Uh, well, I, I think there were lots of creations that were added on. You know, right. uh, Merlin was was sort of invented by William of Malmesbury, I think. Um, I'm not entirely sure that Merlin is a, a real person, but of course, uh, Jesus was mm-hmm. allied to the to the Magi. He was he was a Magi priest. That's right. Um, and and so uh, a perfect allusion to the Magi would be someone like Merlin. You know, he does the same sort of thing. You know, these people were supposed to be you know adept astrologers. They were supposed to be magicians like Simon Magi. Um, they were supposed to be able to do amazing things, miracles almost. But these were supposed to be magic miracles rather than necessarily spiritual. Ralph, I can hardly wait till your new book comes out. Uh, can we have you back on in April when your book is released? Absolutely, yes. Uh, um, it should be April. In fact, in, in America, oh, now let me think. It's, it's at the publishers, uh, at the printers now, so we should be late March. Early April, yeah. Look forward to having you back with us. Do me a favor. Take care of yourself flying all over the world, and thank you very <laughs> much for all the great mysteries that you're helping bring here to the Exxon. And, and you too, and thanks very much for having me on. Nice talking to you, Ralph. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Ralph Ellis, what a gentleman. www.edfu-books.com. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking my producer at Master Control, the one and only... Superman, thanks, Super, for keeping us up on those three satellites in the sky, Galaxy 4R, Telstar 7, Aglia 2, and now the rest of the world on TalkStarRadio.com streaming audio. To my wife and senior producer, Laura Rogers, thank you, sweetheart. Keith Friedman at Consolidated Streaming, thanks, buddy, for keeping our video feeds going. And to you, the Exxon Nation, thank you for allowing us to be part of your day or night, no matter where you are on this great big world of ours.